Work Wonders podcast, brought to you by Asta HR, where we simplify the human side of business. I'm Angela. And I'm Susan. Let's dive into today's episode and find out what you've been wondering about. It's time for another interview. We were thrilled to get Chris Barton into the studio to record today's interview. I've known Chris for a couple of decades, and as you'll hear in this chat with Angela, a lot has happened in that time. Keep listening to hear how and why he recently walked from Katoomba to Manly in 24 hours. Could you do that? So today it's interview time and I'd like to welcome Chris Barton. Hi, Chris. Hi, Angela. Thanks for having me. Thanks very much for joining me. My pleasure. So I'd like to start off with our first question we always ask our guests, which is what's led you to where you are today? It's a great question. I thought you might ask it. (laughs) And it's a tough one for me because um, I'll go to a barbecue and people ask me, what do I do? Okay. Or where I'm from and I always have trouble answering it. I think I'm a jack of all business trades. (laughs) Okay. It's the best way to describe me. uh, But I've been in my own business for the last 21 years Mm -hmm. um, and came out of a corporate world previous to that in sales. In sales. Okay. So sales was my background, but I love small business um, and have had five of my own and invested in about three or four others over the last 20 years. Wow. And they've all been in different sort of fields or similar? Uh, Really different. So um, I'm in the tech space now with an app. Yeah. That's kind of where I'm currently at and investment, but a lot have been fitness based. Okay. Um, So I love sport um, and physical fitness. So that's kind of been the core of it but quite diverse marketing as well. Mm. Um, so I've kind of just le- been led by where my heart's led me quite yeah. often. Okay. So 20 years or just over 20 years, you said it's a long time. What's one of the biggest things you've learned along the way? Uh, people yeah. uh, are the most important thing in business. Yeah. Uh, and as I'm getting older and a bit greyer, <laughs> I'm realising um, I wasn't always that way. I didn't always think that way. So, I, you know, I led a staff of – sort of 40 or 50, 10 years ago in my business. Right. And I don't think I was a fantastic leader. Uh, I think I've gained more empathy as I've got older and understanding, um, and that's made me a little bit better. Uh, But I think people underpins everything, which is why I love podcasts like yours. Oh, thank you. What a lovely compliment. So over that time and different businesses, like you say, you would have been leading different types of staff, but also growing in yourself and your leadership skills. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about what you've learnt as a leader over that time? Yeah, I think uh, the biggest thing I've learned as a leader is that everyone in your team is different. And I think I originally led people how I would like to be led. Mm. Uh, And now I try and take a greater understanding of... um, different people's backgrounds, their skills, um, you know, whether they're auditory learners or visual learners. And I try and make my feedback appropriate to them rather than how I would like to be led. And I think that's made a difference. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So is there one thing that you think would be quite difficult when it comes to leading a team or managing staff and maybe it's not been so comfortable along the way? Uh, Yeah. I think the most difficult thing is getting out of your own head Uh, And that's what I've struggled with because I'm one of those people that are often in my own head thinking a million miles ahead. And if you're trying to lead other people, uh, you have to get outside of your own head. I think that's the key to it. Uh, And you have to sit and view a more helicopter view of a business and also Mm -hmm. see it from your um, team's perspective if you're leading them. 
And that's what I've tried to develop in myself, um, but it hasn't been easy. Yeah. Okay. What's one of the things that you might have seen go wrong in your time um, in terms of HR? Uh, yeah, I'll give you a specific example that's just popped into my head. Sure. Um, when I was leading uh, that team of about 40, um, I uh, thought I'd do a fun activity. And this is a d- direct mistake I made. Um, I went in on the weekend. We had an office at the time in the city mm-hmm. uh, and I completely went in and rearranged everybody's desks. Okay. Not just, not not what's on their desk, but where they were located. Oh, right. So I spent the whole office weekend, sorry, in the office relocating everything. And I guess my closest 2IC, um, I don't yep. even remember, we didn't really have titles, but the person I work with most closely in the business she took to it terribly. Oh, okay. She completely hated it. Oh. Didn't speak to me for a week. Oh, wow. It's a big shock. Stormed out of the office oh. and didn't come back. Oh, no. Uh, and it took me a number of years in hindsight to realise that change was difficult for her. Yeah, okay. Uh, for me, I like change. Yeah. So I would have been, I'd be quite happy if someone moved my desk <laughs> to another spot. And we've, you know, the way we work these days, people are often remote hot True. desking. Yeah. But then people didn't. And I just didn't have any empathy or understanding yeah. for her. And and that's the kind of thing I've learnt over the last few years. Yeah. I, I might do that for other people, but I wouldn't do it to someone like her now. Yeah. So you're talking there about um, the differences that people need and the way that they perceive things can be different amongst all the different individuals in a workplace. Um, so how have you been able to adapt to that and maybe what's something practical that you do to make sure that you're catering for all those different needs? I think uh, listening is probably underpins it all. Uh, So I love, for example, walking meetings with people and I think they originated in Norway, I believe. Uh, So instead of bringing somebody into an office and doing a review or doing a weekly catch up or going for coffee, actually going for a couple of kilometre walk, you find... um, People tend to open up more and this is a complete generalisation, but I've found men, uh, more so than women, men struggle face-to-face opening up to people. But if they're walking side by side, they tend to open up a little bit more so it's less confrontational. Sure. So I think there's there's the value of that, but also you're getting fresh air. Yeah. You're getting exercise. So that's been a deliberate tactic I've used over the years. Oh, that's a great one. So actually getting out of the workspace, yeah, it does create that element of difference and um, I can imagine that in enjoying being able to walk around, have that fresh air and also um, that bit of a different environment to be able to open up. Yeah, yeah, I see what you mean. And easier for tough conversations in some ways. Yeah. If today's episode is giving you some light bulb moments, why not leave us a review? We'd really appreciate it. Um, So on the flip side of that then, what's maybe something that you have seen um, done really well in HR? Good question. Um, I'm just thinking for a second, so I want to give you a good answer, but I've seen some terrible things (laughs) and some really good things. I think we all have, yeah. (laughs) It's natural Uh, for it not to be top priority. uh, I think uh, culture is probably the most important. I've seen some companies I've worked with spend money on manufacturing culture. Ah. Um, you know, putting in a pool table or a ping pong table <laughs> and, and expecting the staff will now work late Yeah, because there's a ping pong table there mm-hmm. and yeah. there's Cokes in the fridge or yeah. whatever it might be. And I think that's just a Band-Aid fix for, you know, the, cul- the culture not being right. Yeah. 
So I think um, having a real culture that comes from the leader, but yeah. also is born out of the people who work in the business as well. I, mean, I think everyone's part of creating that culture and the best organisations seem to have done that well Yeah. rather yeah. than manufacturing. And hopefully we're moving away from that era of I have a pool table so we're cool. Yeah. And um, or whatever it might be. Yeah. So, um, what's one of the things that you do to foster a really great culture in your business today? Uh, ask questions. Yep. I think that underpins it more, and I think build the business around the people. Okay, so listening to what their thoughts are and being open to change and open to different ideas. And, and yeah. I think uh, the best leaders do that. Um, you've got to have a firm direction yeah. of where you're going, but I don't think there's one right path. Yeah. So you strategically um, might know where the business is going to end up, but I think it's arrogant to believe that you know the best way to get there. Uh, so I think listening to your team. That's really great. That's important. Mm, what a great workplace you must have, Chris. Well, we're talking about differences in people's perceptions and the way they like their workplace to be and how we relate to them. Um, what about when we think about different generations in the workplace? No doubt you've got that in your current team. How do you adapt in that sort of scenario as well? It's a good question because um, I think there is definitely an element of um, generations being different, but sometimes we play too much into that as well. Uh, because I think people are people. And, you know, I'm 47, so I'm not young. Yeah. I'm not terribly old yet. I don't think my kids think <laughs> no. I am. Uh, but I love technology like someone who's 20. Yeah. So I'm really up on technology and and so I don't think generational um, mm. bias is always correct. Yeah. But I think there is an element of um, particularly very young people in the workforce now and, and I, didn't, I never want to go down that COVID path. Yeah. But but I think people being locked away for a couple of years um, has impacted a group of people coming into the workforce now who are less reluctant to be um, in a face-to-face uh, conversation. So I think uh, it is it is very comfortable to communicate online. Yeah. Um, and we all find it more comfortable, but I think there's an element of that missing uh, now. So so young people, I find, are less want to have that conversation than they want to um, online communicate. Yeah. I've thought that myself, you know, that COVID can't help but, you know, change things and really affect the way we have that interpersonal relationship. And if people are working remotely, like you're saying, um, or even just relating to each other that way, yeah, you're missing that element, aren't you? Yeah. So I think that element um, is generational because, um, you know, I've got teenagers and they're definitely far more comfortable. If you call them on the phone, the conversation's terrible. It's, <laughs> it's, one, si- it's one syllable. <laughs> Uh, but they're very happy to message you on Snapchat ah, or whatever it yeah. might be. So that's their, and that's how they communicate with their friends. So yeah. it's interesting. They're coming into the workforce now. Mm. Uh, so if you are in a company where face to face communication is critical, mm. I think we're going to have some challenges. It comes back full circle to being prepared to having different options available and using. There's lots of different. Well, you would know lots of different technology systems available to us to cater to those different needs and be flexible in the way yeah. we approach those things um, in the workplace. So, yeah, there's options there. Yeah, no, there isn't. I was just thinking the first CEO CEO I ever had, he um, was very good at communicating with his team, and this is quite a long time ago, but and obviously there was phone calls, texts and email effectively. Yeah. But he knew, for example, with his senior leadership team, how each of them preferred to interact. And oh. He would interact with each of them in their preferred method. Okay. Um, 
and he was very much ahead of his time, I think. Yeah. Um, and he was a great communicator uh, mm. because of that. And I've spoken to other CEOs who completely disagree and say, I like to communicate this way and that's the way it's got to be done. Yeah, okay. But he had a hugely successful business and yeah. I think a big part of it was that ability to understand key people in the business and how they like to communicate. Um, and when I came in, it was actually email with me. It's changing a little bit, yeah. um, but I traditionally like to communicate with email. Yeah, I'm the same. You know, that person I can imagine would be doing an email to someone else and a phone call to someone else or yeah. a text to someone else or whatever it is. Yeah, that's what he's doing each night. He would email one person, text one person, yeah. call one person, Yeah, um, and it worked. So that takes a lot of time and a lot of presence of mind if you're the leader doing that. So what advice would you give to someone that's thinking, oh, goodness, that, that's a lot of work, so how do I do that? Uh, I sometimes say be careful what you wish for <laughs> because leadership isn't easy yeah. but ultimately isn't the um, aim of leadership to make other people better. Other than that, what is the point of it? And yeah. in a business commercial sense, it's to make other people better to make more money for the yeah, business or to make uh, the movement greater or whatever your company vision may be. But you shouldn't have any other concern as a leader. Yeah. Um, otherwise, you're managing people or you're performing a sales role. Leadership is all about making people better. That's right. Yeah, I love that because when you're in a leadership position, you shift from being the one doing the doing to being the one looking after the people doing the doing, Yeah, don't you? So, yeah, that's a really nice perspective. Now, Chris, I know that you did something really amazing quite recently. You did a massive walk from the Blue Mountains all the way up to the Sydney CBD, and it was in effort of youth mental health. Am I right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So last month I started up in uh, the Three Sisters in the Blue Mountains and walked 128 kilometres to the other side of Sydney uh, nonstop. Uh, So it took me, the target was to do it in 24 hours. Okay. And And I did it in 23 hours and 51 minutes, to be exact. (laughs) Just got there. (laughs) That's amazing. And uh, actually, it um, probably did it five minutes faster, but I was very lucky that the Seven News contacted me and they actually wanted to be last minute at the end. Oh, wow. And so my wife was kind of my organisational crew and she rang me at quarter to 12, 15 minutes before finishing, saying, they're not here yet. Oh. You can't come in yet. (laughs) Go a bit slower. (laughs) So I had to actually slow down the last 15 minutes. Uh, But it was all about raising... um, youth mental health exposure. So I'm particularly concerned. My daughter suffers from significant anxieties and she's now homeschooled. Okay. uh, Because she struggles to fit into the mainstream system. And I've seen um, the challenges she's gone through and then dug into the data behind it. And particularly since COVID, um, without getting um, too in-depth on this call, things like youth suicide rates have jumped Mm. significantly in the last couple of years. And so I want to make a difference in that area. And my kids are lucky because they've got, you know, someone who's willing to talk about it. Yeah. I'm more concerned for the 16 or 14 or 18-year-old out there who doesn't have someone to talk about it and they're stuck feeling they're alone. Yeah. Um, so I'm trying to shed a light on youth mental health because it really will become a bigger crisis yeah. in the next couple of years. Uh, so that was the basis behind the walk. I pushed myself to my absolute limit. Yeah, I imagine. Um, which hopefully got some publicity, um, some learnings for my myself, and I raise money for Batir, which is a youth mental health charity in Sydney who go into high schools and yep. teach what you would call mental first aid. Okay, yeah. So, so it's basically skills that teenagers can take away into their own life so they can sit in a workshop 
and they don't have to say they're struggling with anything, yeah. but they're run by young people. So instead of an old codger like me, they're yeah. run by 20-year-olds <laughs> who've had mental health challenges. So they might have bipolar okay. or they might have depression and they've have worked through the majority of it and they go back in on behalf of Batir and they run those workshops. What a fantastic initiative there to be run by young people. I can imagine that's received so well. Yeah. So yeah, it's a great it's a great model by them, um, and and it only costs twenty five dollars per teenager, if you uh-huh. want to call it that. Mm-hmm. They run it at some unis as well, but yep. twenty five dollars per young person to put someone through that workshop. Okay. So my mindset was, I want to put as many teenagers through one of their workshops um, as I can. So I think my walk has uh, put I think three hundred and fifty teenagers through a workshop so far, but I want to continue to raise awareness as well for youth mental health. That's fantastic. So if anyone listening today wants to support that, is th- can we put the links in our show notes for that, Chris? Or- Absolutely. Yeah? If you, okay. The links would be great and Lovely. it's uh, through Batia. Fantastic. So with yourself, that would have been quite a challenge to walk that far, not just physically, but um, emotionally as well, mentally, all of that. What did you come away with as your biggest learning from that experience? Uh, it's a t- really tough question because <laughs> there's probably a bunch of them. Sure. Um, but I'll, I think self-imposed challenge. In, in the age we live in, challenge is going to come along to everybody and that might be a loss of a job, a change of career, a, a breakup of a relationship, whatever that might be. And often it's thrust upon you and mm. if it is, you may not know how to deal with it. What I wanted to do was put a self, a safe self-imposed challenge yeah. that would challenge me almost to my limits, but you know, not kill me. Hopefully, <laughs> my wife wondered <laughs> some stage. And the idea was take away the learnings in a safe environment, so when those challenges do come to me, mm-hmm. that I don't control, I've got mm-hmm. the skill set to deal with them. So the skill set to work through pain, the skill set to work through adversity, yeah. the resilience skill sets. Um, so I'm thinking very much about how I can sort of develop my learnings to help others more out of that walk. That's fascinating. All from a walk just from Blue Mountains to – well, just. It is. It's just, <laughs> as I yeah. say, it's just stepping one foot in front of the other, but there's yeah. a lot um, that can come from that. Yeah. And look, I know in a practical sense it must have been really hard for you. Blisters in the feet. Did you get rained on? You know, what happened during the walk? Uh, first six hours of a walk was terribly difficult, oh. so it got a lot of rain, uh, which yeah. caused my feet to blister significantly. Oh. So it's three and a half weeks now since I finished, yeah. and my feet are still not fully recovered. Oh, wow. Uh, but I trained four months nonstop. Okay. For it. So physically I was okay. Okay. Um, so I recovered in a week physically from it, which is what I expected, but the blisters were pretty painful. That's a very small price to pay yeah. to raise awareness yeah. uh, for others. Um, yeah. But it was a good lesson actually in no matter how prepared you are as well. I, I was prepared with what I thought was military precision for not getting blisters. Yeah. And it still happened. And that <laughs> yeah. and that's shows you what happens in life. You can be prepared as you want for anything in life or your business and external events can change things in an instant. Did you reach a point when you wanted to stop or turn back? I never quite reached that point. Um, I reached the point where uh, maybe I started to question why I was doing it. Yeah. But the honest answer, I was driven externally by the fact that uh, people have made donations. Mm. I knew there was going to be media at the end. I'd just been told to welcome at the end and the cause of what I was walking for drove me. And and I guess there's a lesson in purpose as well. If you're going through life purposeless or your business doesn't have a purpose, it's easy to stop. 
but I never really would have stopped because I had that purpose. So what did it feel like at the end when you did reach your goal and you finished? Uh, it felt fantastic, but it's interesting. It felt like I hadn't finished. Really? That I'd only really just begun. Ah. But I have had a letdown the last couple of weeks because it was so, I was so emotionally invested in it. Yeah. And it's all like, it's over. Uh, what's next? What's sort of next? Thing, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I've really, it feels unfinished for me. Okay. Yeah, and like you, like you say, it comes back to the purpose of why you did it and that's not something that can be done in one event, can it? But but I, I may well look at even running something for other people similar in the future who want, maybe not 24 hours, <laughs> yeah. uh, but but similar things because it's a great, it was a great way to test myself. Yeah, fantastic. So, Chris, our last question that we normally wrap up with is, is there one thing you'd like to leave our listeners with today to take away? Yeah, I think it's that um, people are everything in a business, whether you've got one employee or a hundred and whether you work at home or in an office, people drive business and um, that that's the key for me to take away. Awesome. Awesome. That's why we're here. So thank you so much for joining me today, Chris. It's been a pleasure talking with you. It's been my pleasure. Thank you. Fascinating to hear about your adventures and your business and you've got such a, a rich history there to, to share with us. So thank you for being so open and sharing those thoughts with us today. Anytime, I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. So we'll put the links in our show notes for the donation to be able to donate to Chris's charity there that he mentioned. Thanks for listening to the Work Wonders podcast brought to you by Asta HR. Hit the subscribe button now to never miss an episode. And if you'd like to continue the conversation with us, you can find us over at astahr.com.au. See you in the next episode.